Welcome to this week's Hotel Analyst podcast. You join me, Chris Bound, the editor of Hotel Analyst, sitting alongside Andrew Sankster, the editorial director of Hotel Analyst, to talk our way through three topics of interest that we've spotted and done a little bit of work around in the last week or so in the hotel investment space. And the first of those is we had a trading update from Whitbread, the operator of Premier Inn. Remarkably chipper senior team there, despite the fact that obviously they're working in uh, locked down markets in the UK and Germany. Um, Although accommodation sales were down 55.2% year on year, they uh, uh, do have two thirds of their hotels open in the UK and uh, are surprisingly finding plenty of of business travel, uh, although precious little leisure travel because most people have have been told not to go out unless they absolutely (laughs) have to. Uh, The senior team, Alison Britton and Nick Cabri, uh, were also quite chipper about what's going on in Germany where of course the company is looking to expand substantially. Uh, seems like the uh, the phone there is starting to ring more and more with uh, impecunious German hoteliers uh, wondering if uh, if Whitbread would like to take uh, a hotel or two off their hands. The other interesting thing that, that came through was that uh, during the last few months, Whitbread has picked up, or Premier Inn, should I say, has picked up uh, quite a bit of market share. Uh, compared to its peers. Uh, Some of that perhaps is just by being open and being available. There's also a whole debate around whether people like to go to the comfort of a reassuring brand in times of great uncertainty. Um, Andrew, was was there nothing much to dislike about this update? Mm, well, I mean, uh, uh, other than the, the terrible trading performance, I guess you, well, you have yes. to dislike that. Relatively speaking. <laughs> <laughs> yes. um, but relatively, it was very good. Um, and indeed, I, the, the, you know, for me, the, the standout number was this market share gain. So it's a 4.1 percentage point increase in market share. Phenomenal amount, actually, mm. up to 11.4%. So it's a huge, huge, I mean, how much of that can be sustained as uh, rivals begin to reopen? I mean, as CEO Alison Britton admitted on the call um, with City Analysts, um, you know, a lot of the bigger hotels, the upscale hotels are still closed. It hasn't made sense for them to open. And as they, I mean, that, that market share, by the way, was the overall revenue of the UK hotel industry. Um, yeah, she, she couldn't um, absolutely fully explain quite why that, that had gone up so much. Could you? No, indeed. And, uh, you know, we'll, there's going to be very you know that number is going to be very interesting to watch as we come out mm. of this uh, and and there's no question they've been able to pick some stuff up i mean it's interesting you're talking about leisure travel one of the things that came up on the on the call was people traveling for funerals which is something i yeah. really hadn't registered <laughs> and you know yeah and as and as um, alison britton said it's you know you wouldn't really describe it as leisure travel but um certainly not pleasure travel um but it, it, it is it is it doesn't fit in with business travel for sure um so it would probably be put into that bucket of leisure so i think this is interesting i I think they that we're going to go and talk about independence later on in this podcast so i won't go into that too much right this second but um uh, so let's talk about germany and i think germany is really interesting because whitbreads you know have with premier in they have done a fantastic job in bringing it to the point you know of of being clearly the market leader in the uk 
hotel market uh it, it, it they've done a, a great job with that where they've struggled is you know where next after mm. the uk because I mean, it was some years ago that they admitted that actually they were cannibalizing their own um sales um and it's interesting within within this they, they said they sold off uh six hotels um, um, smaller ones to and trying to bring those the sales from those six smaller units into the distribute them into the bigger bigger units and this is clearly what they're looking to do have bigger premier ins with and and improve margins but th- that is I think points to the, the the amount of cannibalization that is going on there um, um, so you know they need another market to have real growth um, they had various goes as we know um, out in Southeast Asia, in the Middle East, I mean, they've re- they've withdrawn entirely from you know what had been a half decent platform in Indonesia, um, and now they you know and they, they, they've they've I think they've still got open their um, Middle Eastern properties, um, and but the focus overwhelmingly is now Germany. They're all in in Germany, as it were. And it was interesting the numbers they talked about there and the opportunity they see in Germany, which they see as a significantly more fragmented market than the UK. Um, they talked about Motel One being the leader in the in the budget hotel space. I mean, I would actually argue probably Accor is um, in terms of broader, but certainly there's no single brand. That's, that's the range of Accor's, Ibises, and arguably Novotel as well. But uh, Motel One has just 55 properties. Um, Whitbread's pipeline will get it to 68 in short order. It's already got 30 trading, or will have 30 trading by late spring. So it, it it's in a very good place in Germany. Um, it's going to take a number of years before it starts seeing the profitable result of that. But it's, it's got further um, than um, it, it looked as though it was going to get, and I think that is really going to accelerate. And this next 12 to 24 months is going to be critical in terms of, you know making that 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 entry into germany um significant and what what matters is is in terms of the scale of the german uh entry point and whitbread has to get to a situation where german sales are actually moving the 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 needle for overall sales um it has the opportunity now um it can't flunk it it's it's a you know it's, it's a critical period i think for for Whitbread um, on this delivery. Of course, one big shift we have seen from Whitbread is uh, they moved just late last year from being proud payers of all their rent on time to suddenly asking some of their landlords for a discount. Um, you know, it's become a trend in uh, in the COVID pandemic. Um, how they've kind of nuanced this and they're just asking for a bit of <laughs> sharing of pain. Yeah, no, I, I, yes, he uh, is very nuanced, wasn't it? Uh, they announced that they're only going to be paying fifty percent of the the rent, and they say it was a it's a way of starting a conversation. It's, it's <laughs> certainly true. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> in most normal cases, you'd have that conversation before you make the announcement. I would suggest, but anyway. Yeah, and then there was um, a comment. Oh, we we, are, we appreciate we're in legal contracts with people. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So, which does suggest there's been a little bit of pushback with some of the landlords, uh, understandably. But I think Whitbread does have a point. Um, 
you know here we are in this pandemic and landlords are sitting there are is the expectation that they have no pain whatsoever um as a result of this um but then it calls into account well uh, the flip of that is if if whitbread are going to impose pain on the landlords they need to share some of the upside mm. so whitbread can't have it both ways either they've got to do they've got to do the two you know either if you're going to share it on the downside you have to share it on the upside so whitbread i think uh, i suspect um you know and it's only 25 million pounds they're talking about here um i I really for the life of me can't see why they have bothered um entering into this level of you know um row potential yeah Yeah, i I mean it it, it, i'm surprised at it frankly but uh um, i I think it was the wrong decision but uh the key point they make and i think they're right is that this is positioning them better um as they come out of this covid mess um and um they they that they, they help strengthen their balance sheet even further but you know it, it's relatively marginal and in terms of the the time and frustration um it's causing i just don't think it's worth it but uh, the decision's done now um and i think it'd be tricky to do it uh, 180 to degree u-turn a probably 175 degree u-turn i suspect is <laughs> what they'll do to pick on uh, another area of operational real estate that's not quite hotels uh, but in do- it does involve buildings with beds and that's the uh, private rented sector in the uk um everyone got a little bit disappointed uh, a few weeks ago when there was a uh, media report that uh, the sale of quintain by its owners lone star had temporarily been pulled from the market. That was expected to be a, a three billion pound sterling deal, um, and that was going to be like the the, the biggest uh, investment deal in the private rented sector in the UK to date. But uh, thankfully, uh, that little hiccup has been been forgotten about now because uh, the Canadians, uh, Real Star, uh, who are uh, slow building um, uh, uh, their uncle rental brand across the UK they've uh, pulled in uh, more funds another billion dollars from um, a fellow Canadian investor Quadrille um, who's helping them to grow their portfolio in the UK and the great thing about uh, about Real Star is you know they were one of the early people to move into the PRS market in the UK and promise to deliver a better deal uh, easy in, easy out a service for uh, renters in the UK, uh, and they're just pushing on and keep on delivering and just keep on building. But you know, it, it takes a lot of heavy lifting to to build apartment blocks around the UK. Um, and the great thing is, there's still plenty more to go for. Um, recent report by um, agents uh, Knight Frank uh, suggested that uh, you know the market's still very, very immature, and there's uh, plenty to plenty of growth to come this this speaks very much to a number of themes that we've been talking about within hotel analysts um hotelization of uh, residential certainly and uh, the growth of the whole co-living piece the the shared uh services piece the the you know the service hospitality piece that's coming into adjacent sectors um to um two hotels and the the principal behind um um uncle um the founder of it uh, ryan prince i mean he t- he, you know, he talks about buildings with beds and this is very much you know, they they are in buildings with beds they do healthcare they do uh, student and of course hotels are 
the, the previous owners of uh, 73 Holiday Inns or co-owners of 73 Holiday Inns in the UK. So um, it really does speak to a, 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 an ongoing theme we've got of this blurring of asset classes um, across the sector. Well, of um, course, we often see that uh, these these residential developers and, and managers uh, hire in ex-hotel people to uh, absolutely. deliver. Yeah, no, exactly. Exactly that. Yeah, no, 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 totally. And, and you know, the, 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 the clear need of hospitality expertise in these uh, in these other sectors, the hotel alternative sectors. Um, it's an interesting deal. I mean, it's a significant deal. How big it is, it's one of the problems with private companies. It's quite tricky to get the actual numbers. So I wasn't sure whether this is one billion US dollars or one billion Canadian dollars, actually, as it was, uh, <laughs> as as Quadreal and Realstar are both Canadian companies, so it's either eight hundred US or a billion US. So I'm not entirely sure which one it is, but it's it's big. Um, still, I mean, you're looking at eight units, four of which are under the Uncle brand. Um, I, I like, you know, what's interesting here is how fast this sector is is evolving along the same lines as hotels. Not surprisingly, with Ryan Prince there, mm. um, but you know, they're splitting the the bricks and brains, if you if you like, between the, the the, the assets and the management that that's so Quadrill have invested um, separately in in the assets there's a prop co-op co-piece um, they've also um, they've got a, a smaller stake within the the uncle management um, operation as well so um, but but the, clearly that's the um, you know how how uh, Ryan Ryan Prince sees the the evolution of this product is, is um, you know along the hotel lines and Quadrille itself you know talked about uh, you know uh, in a hotel like way about how they were going to have a, a brand which they're going to roll out to different neighborhoods uh, you know not just in the UK but uh, but beyond as well so it, there's there is a lot there the other parallel I think is worth highlighting is the growth of the budget branded budget hotel market in the UK and here we have in in co-living in this uncle brand something which is moving into um, a sector which is filled full of you know very fragmented sector and filled full of uh, poorly capitalized and often badly run um, properties in terms of the 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 buy to let landlord market um, you know uh, we saw what happened in the uh, branded budgets sector with as as new branded budget hotels are opened these badly run bnbs sort of went out of the market um in this case i think as we see more and more of this build to rent and this um the the co-living stuff opening up we're going to see more and more buy to let investors exit and um, unlike in the case of uh, the branded budget hotel market we've actually got um, the the government kicking the the buy to let landlords at the same mm. time with tax hikes tax hikes and tougher regulations so if anything this is just going to be a, a an even faster growth rate for the the, the if you the institutionalization of of buy to let and this this build to to rent piece uh, it might be one, two, six months uh, to when hotels really start to reopen again and business starts to build once more. Uh, but there are increasingly uh, voices saying that there is going to be a potentially quite a big problem coming with uh, cash flow as uh, government support mechanisms uh, are, are kind of... Um, and businesses reopen, the big problem then is uh, you've got business building 
you've got all your expenses back up to 100% and you've probably spent the last year as you've sat out the pandemic using up all your spare cash so uh, there's a big danger that it's going to be a bit of a cash flow crunch for quite a lot of uh, hoteliers in, in and around the UK and across European markets uh, the danger is how can that be bridged that cash flow gap and I've been speaking to several um, sages those involved heavily in the market in the UK in restructuring and advisory um, and how the the combined brain power of those individuals thinks things are going to work out um, some are concerned about it but feel that there will be a, a cash cash solution you know lenders will give give uh, people time to to pay because they think that the market will come back quite strong you know there'll be a, quite a strong recovery in the leisure market and quite a bit of the business market will will then follow on before too long uh, but there are some nuanced differences in the way people expect this to grow um at this stage where it's like oh are there going to be lots of restructurings and administrations and insolvencies or not very many um, I, I think you need to look at a, a number of things. How bad is it? I mean, it is. It has never been as bad as it is now. Uh, UK hospitality, the trade body, reckon that only one in five businesses has enough cash to see through to the end of February. Now, obviously, that includes pubs and restaurants and stuff as well. But I mean, it's it's. I mean, I've never seen anything like it. It, it, it is unbelievably gruesome. Um, the only thing I would say is, you know, we have got light at the end of the tunnel. It's just uh, the, the challenge is getting through the the, the tunnel in one mm. piece. Um, and I think for many many businesses, sadly, this is they're just not going to make it, and I, and and it's going to be really difficult. Um, so you've you've got this now. If you look at the op, if you look at say the gross operating profit numbers, um, this is four to five times worse than it was back in um 2008 2009 that period it, it is so much worse um so we've got that piece to come through and you know even if we get a VATK, if we get the the, the rates relief etc that's not going to save the the bulk of these businesses which are have just got such shattered balance sheets um so, so it is very tough but in terms of there are going to be winners in this environment and you know what we've long said uh the covid it is an accelerant of of change rather than a change agent in, in itself i mean these businesses ultimately probably would have been consolidated it would but it would have taken 10 years i think what you know in 10 months now we're going to mm. see 10 10 yeah. years worth of of activity um thanks to covid so it's this notion of an accelerant rather than a change agent and uh, i look to what whitbread has to, had to say um in terms of the impact on on the independence and whitbread has done historically some of the best research on this they they as they said actually on their conference call in the trading update they it's very time consuming mm. and expensive study they produce every 18 months or so looking at looking at the state of the independence and what they have consistently shown is you know what we said um, a few minutes ago in terms of as branded properties come into the market exit stage left the the independence and 
you know this is only really going to happen even in this environment what is going to happen is the they're going to we can actually rather than see the the new stuff coming in first we're going to see the old stuff going out first and that's going to leave the 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 field free for the the branded and better capitalized players to to dive in it was interesting how whitbread and the ceo alison britain speaking said you know how she saw this playing out and she talked about in the last recession how um um, in individual businesses hobbled through Mm. in her words for 12 to 18 months um running things for cash um, and then actually just thinking, giving up, you know, the realizing we're never going to repair um, our fractured balance sheets. Um, so, th- of course, that is possible. So, and, and she foresaw actually it's going to take sort of uh, two to three years before the real tailwinds in terms of Whitbread's market share and, and Whitbread's um, um, uh, profitability really gets going um, as as competition leaves the, you know, leaves. Um, so that was an interesting point, I think, into the in terms of the timing of this, how that works through. We'll, we'll see what that does. But, uh, you know, one thing I, you know, I am we're clearly picking up this is we're not in a period like we were post the global financial crisis when the banks were utterly stricken and just so scared about writing down um Mm. their loans um and calling them in too fast and too hard uh, partly because of the government control and 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 the you know that they were in hock to the government through the government bailouts and support um but also you know they just didn't want the their the questioning of their balance sheets um, in terms of these loans so they were very reluctant to call them in i you know they have the banks have much stronger balance sheets i think they're going to prepare to move on the independence much quicker than they they did in in the last recession so i if anything i think um the timing britain's talking about there could well be um i take a point i think it's a well-made point i think there will be businesses that sort of hobble well yes because there's it a lot of pent-up demand isn't there? and um one of the things yeah, that Graham Smith, Alex yeah, Partners, is, um, uh, said to me was that you know that that massive pent up demand will potentially mean that uh, if you're in a, an in demand location, you could potentially stretch your season and also you know don't give your rooms away too too cheaply. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we have a we we've got probably for the next couple of years. Yeah. If you're in the right location, if if you're in leisure um, orientated location, um, coastal areas, country areas, etc. Uh, yeah, you have excess demand heading your way probably for the next couple of years you know there's you know, very very round numbers 100 million people leave the uk and 50 million come in um clearly we're not you know that that's going to be much more evenly balanced this for the next year or two um because of the difficulties with with international travel um but and but we've got we've got consumers with robust balance sheets and there's net savings gone on during this you know net net consumers are actually better off than they were at the start of this recession on average um obviously some are shattered but many have actually increased their wealth that is going to be deployed that they want to spend that money and there is an opportunity to get out there and do that but sadly it's probably not enough given how difficult you know if you've been you've been under the cost it's going to be over 12 months that businesses are going to be be effectively have been losing money and it's it's 
yeah, uh, I, mean, I think UK hospitality um, says it all in terms of you know <laughs> astonishing uh, um, you know situation that they're 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 saying is ahead of us. But uh, um, the, the debts have to be paid back somehow, and it's you know it's going to be a very very unpleasant period I think for the next few years for many. But for the bigger well capitalised, this is the opportunity that they have been waiting for and this is the chance they have to go out and create and i think longer term um without wanting to be callous about the the, the situation with where everybody's facing it's very tough and I, I don't want to um diminish that at all but but in terms of for the, for the overall industry i actually think that having a more consolidated industry is is better news from the from its ability to attract proper institutional capital uh to get proper government attention um in terms of what is necessary in terms of the reforms to grow our sector so i, th I think we're going to come out a much stronger sector after all after all of this ironically um we we have been the, the most battered of probably any sector but in two three four years i think we're going to be um significantly stronger now than let's get on to our five star and no star awards and uh, this week uh, we are awarding five stars to the owner of the casa hotel in uh, chesterfield in derbyshire the enterprising owner has got himself lined up to be a uh, covid vaccination center he's going to be running seven days a week from eight till eight putting about 1800 jabs a day into people's arms great repurposing of your hotel sir well done yeah and and it, you know that that's this community connection that our industry has i mean it's just it's clearly shown through initiatives like that i mean we've seen it with the homelessness and um and the housing of key workers um, it just demonstrates how, how important um our industry is to the fabric of society <laughs> no star however is going to go to the ceo of what is the most valuable company in our sector and that company is airbnb with a market valuation of about 100 billion us dollars um there or thereabouts now brian chesky was speaking at a reuters event last week suggesting that travel will never be the same again um and he said uh, a variety of other things which were <laughs> well can in my view quite self-serving to to the airbnb um cause um i think he's talking <laughs> nonsense i think travel's coming back it's going to be bigger and better than it's ever been before um and you know the, this notion somehow that we're we're not going to see mass tour groups still well i mean has he looked at the rising middle class <laughs> in china and what we're going to see in india i mean it, it you know i sure i think in higher income countries yes there's a switch to more experiential stuff absolutely but in in terms of you know when we're seeing the the rise of these these new um outbound markets no he's, he's talking complete nonsense and i think there's massive potential for our sector and it, it's you know after this very very bleak period it's going to be much much um stronger and we're we're uh, you know we're going to have a roaring 20s i think for our the and on that confident sector. prediction we'll say goodbye for now <laughs>